Most of you guys know his grandparents, Bob and Marion. Uh, but if you can, welcome young man Angelo here. He's going to share uh, about the missed trip and then also uh, where he's going. Thank you. Uh, I just want to first off thank you guys for supporting me. A couple weeks ago, I went on a mission trip to Boston, and we did two children's meetings every day in um, downtown areas and a lot of low-income areas that it was just a huge blessing to minister to these kids, to share with them the love of Christ, to teach them Bible stories, and a lot of them have never never heard about Jesus before, and that was a huge blessing. So thank you very much for your support. Um, another another praise, I had the opportunity to minister as a counselor at Fairhaven Camps this summer, and I just wanted to just share how there were 110 kids that came to know the Lord for the first time that week who were saved. So that's just a huge test testimony of how of God's faithfulness in this area how even though as the pastor was talking about how there's so much darkness in this area this new generation a lot of a lot of kids had the opportunity to learn about Jesus for the first time at that camp around 60% of all the kids that come there have never heard about God before so it was a huge blessing just to see him working in that it had nothing to do with me or the other counselors it was it was amazing to see the hand of God um, I'd also like to ask for, for prayer. Uh, in just a month, I'll be flying to Costa Rica for missionary training school. And um, I'm, the Lord completely provided for finances. I'm not here to ask for anything. He provided everything in two days, all that I needed. So just, he's, been, he's blessed me so much, and I just appreciate your prayers as I go into this next adventure. <laughs> Thank you. So with YWAM, Youth with a Mission, it's a three-month three training school, and then after that it's two months of outreach where we could be anywhere in the world. Uh, then after that, I'll probably go into long-term missions. I'll, I think I'll be back here next summer, and then, then I have no idea where the Lord may call me. So I appreciate your prayers as I'm trying to discover God's will of where he wants me in the world. <laughs> Come this way, my son. Come close to my bosom. Come here. Anyway, so stretch, stretch hands. I just want to pray for him really, really fast, really quick. Stretch hand, please. Amen. I love young guys, especially ones that love Jesus and want to do something for the kingdom. So, Father, we thank you for Angelo. Lord, we thank you that... Um, God, just his commitment to you, Lord, thank you for uh, just even all over him, God. There's such an innocence, such a purity, such a uh, just a sincerity, God, just for the kingdom. And so, Lord, we pray, God, today that as he uh, embarks on this new adventure, as he goes down to YWAM, uh, Lord, we know that that's a step of faith. And, Lord, you have absolutely met him there, uh, Lord, which shows that he's obedient and he's going in the right direction. And, Lord, we just ask, God, that while he's there for that uh, five months, for three months of training and the two months of outreach, Lord, we just ask. God, that you would reveal your heart and your purpose and your destiny. 
God, for his life. In fact, Lord, we want to just believe you today, uh, God, that you would solidify, God, in his heart, the call to missions. God, that there would be uh, literally uh, without a question, without a doubt, God, that he would know that that's what he's supposed to do if that's your will. And, Lord, we also pray, God, that you would put a country or countries, God, on his heart, God, to give him specific directions. And so, Father, thank you. Uh, just, just inside of him, God, I just ask you today, God, just for a fresh faith and a fresh belief to see himself, God, the way you see him. And, Lord, that he would recognize, God, that he is a carrier of the fire and the glory of God, that he carries, Lord, your love and your mercy. And so, Lord, today that uh, there would be just such a uh, just courage, God, would just rest on him, Father, that every fear would be broken, and, Father, every bit of timidity would be broken. And, Lord, that he would walk, Lord, uh, as one who literally is hand-in-hand with you, God, just as as you said, that every place that the sole of his feet touched, God, that he would uh, claim it for you. And so, Lord, thank you today just uh, that he would recognize the authority that he has through the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. And so, Lord, today we bless your son. Father, we thank you that he is a gift to the kingdom. And, Lord, thank you for using him for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So, Father, we thank you today, God, for the opportunity, God, to dig into your word. God, today we open up our hearts wide. And, God, we just ask that you would fill it today. Father, thank you for your anointing. Holy Spirit, come and do what you do best. Teach us today. Teach us the heart of the Father. Teach us your ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Listen, if you're taking notes today, we're going to do part two of exchange. So if you're taking notes, that's today's uh, title. It's just simply exchange part two. Can somebody say exchange? Come on, I'm going to work with you today. So listen, for several weeks now, we have been talking about how all change that that is originated, that all change that is birthed from the heart of God, that all change uh, that is initiated by God is a positive thing. Can somebody say positive? It's a positive thing. Listen, the reason we can say that is because we know that when God comes and he begins to knock on the heart's door of our life with the word called change, he is simply trying to get us to exchange something that we are holding on to personally. And he knows that if we can exchange that with him, he can release what is from heaven on us. Amen. So listen, so he's simply trying to get us once again to exchange something we are currently holding on to for something he is desiring to release to us. Now, a few examples of this would be, and this is what we talked about last week, but he wants us to change our insecurities for security. Can somebody say identity? Listen, he wants us to exchange our bitterness for his forgiveness, our worry for his peace, our foolishness for his wisdom, our inability for his ability, our weakness for his strength. How many of you guys know we are desperately in need of an exchange? Yes? So listen, the, the picture that I really want us to grab a hold of uh, about this subject of exchange is this, is that once again, when we let go of what's in our hand or when we let go of what's in our heart, then God in return lets go of what's in his hand and lets go of what's in his heart. Now, um, this basically is basically this, and this is the picture I gave you last week. But but just remember, it's almost like that every time that transaction happens, every time that exchange happens, it's almost like we are taking off another layer of baggage that we've been carrying for a long time. And what happens is, is when we release that baggage, basically God releases who He is and His kingdom over us, and that allows us to take another step into our identity, another step into our destiny, another step into our purpose. How many of you guys know we need to release some stuff so we? go forward. Amen. So listen, so, um, 
Sometimes that exchange happens in an instant. And what I mean by that is that when we we pray, we go, God, I give you, fill in your blank. God, I give you this. And in a supernatural way, immediately something shifts in our lives and, and, and we're never the same again. It's like whatever we've been holding on to, or maybe we could say uh, whatever's been holding on to us, literally in that instant, that moment is broken over our lives. And it's in, you know kind of maybe a word picture here, but... But uh, where we were once bound, we're now free. Where we were once confused, there's now clarity. Where there, we were once blind, now we can see. Where we were once paralyzed by fear, we now have boldness. It's that thing that used to kick our butt spiritually, yes, that we now have victory over. Does anybody wave your hand at me if you know what I'm talking about today? Amen. Now, listen, now wave your other hand at me if you know that it always doesn't work exactly like that. Meaning that uh, there's things that we that we uh, pray about and we pray about, but immediately they don't change. Anybody ever been there? Yes. So, in, in fact, I'd be I would be willing to bet this, that in this room today, the very thing that you prayed about last week's service, the very thing that you uh, desire to say, God, I need an exchange in. I would guarantee that over the past few days, some of you have found yourselves uh, basically reverting back to the same old habits, the same old mindsets, the same old default settings of the very area that you said, God, I give you. Amen. So uh, listen, that we've literally caught ourselves uh, thinking with the same wrong thinking as before. I've done it this week. Listen, we find ourselves responding to people out of the same insecurities and the same fears. That we find ourselves struggling and falling flat on our face in the same old sins. That we find ourselves repenting about the same old stuff. Yes, that we literally have found ourselves saying, God, I exchanged this. But literally we find ourselves camped out in the exact same spot that we've been in for years. Does anybody know what I'm talking about today? Amen. Now, listen, it's at that point that I've learned that the devil would like nothing more than to get us to get upset with God, disappointed in God, and somehow to get us to turn to God and go, God, why didn't you answer my prayers? Or he would like for us to get this, to get down on ourselves and think, you know, if I had enough faith, then maybe something would have changed. Or then he tries to put in our head, you, you, you know, this lie that says that, you know, you're always going to be this way. You're always going to struggle with that. You'll never get victory over that. But I want you to know this morning, and this is really just to encourage you, uh, that just because we've hit some bumps in the road, because we all do, right, it doesn't mean that something is wrong with God, and it doesn't mean something's wrong with us. It doesn't mean that we're evil. It doesn't mean that we're insincere in our walk with God. And it doesn't mean that we are any less of a Christian or we're any less loved by God. It does mean this, though. It does mean you're human. Sorry to disappoint you this morning. <laughs> It means you're human, and and it also means that you need to be reminded of a really, really important biblical truth, and and that's what I want to talk about today. So listen, I just want to take a few minutes. I want to remind you of a word uh, that contains a great biblical truth, and and I'm going to shoot straight with you. It's not a word that we use often, okay? We don't use this every day in our our everyday vernacular, uh, but it does have great significance in every believer's life, and I'm talking, in fact, turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. Say, he's talking about you. Trying to help you out here. All right. So listen, this word, this great biblical truth is this word. It is the word called sanctification. Sanctification. Now, there, there's there's something I got to be honest with you here that um, sometimes there's words like this that I'll talk about, but I'll never use them. OK, because I don't want to run everybody off and scare them. OK, uh, just because there's not words. You, you know, in other words, we don't really um, we just don't talk on that level all the time. But I want you to be familiar with this word. OK. 
Right. So like I'll give you an example. I remember Pastor Altula eight weeks and he talked about sin and then he got to the end and he said, you know what? Um, I really just taught you uh, for the last eight weeks on the doctrine of sin. And everybody's like, what? But but there's there's certain things in the kingdom that I think we need to be familiar with that we need to grab hold. And this is one of them. It's a word that we all need to know really well. It's called sanctification. Now, what in the world does sanctification mean? First things first. Obviously, the word ends with the suffix, okay, ification. That, I don't know why, but that makes me feel so silly saying ification. Uh, you know, I don't know why. Anyways, but it, but it ends with the suffix, ification. And that suffix, suffix always denotes, uh, it'll be up here, an active process of making something. An active process of making something. Let me give you a few examples. Uh, the word beautification just simply means the process of making something beautiful. Uh, the word purification simply means the process of making something pure. As I was looking up these words just a moment for myself here, I actually saw thugification. The process of making a thug. Did, did you even know that? I'm voting for redneckification personally, okay? So, got to get us Bama people in there. Anyways. So, therefore, sanctification means this. Okay, if you're taking notes, write this down. It means the process of making something sanctified or the process of making something set apart as holy. The process of making something set apart as holy. I warned you last week. I said I was going to get more theological this week, right? The process of making something sanctified or set apart as holy. Let me kind of interject something here. The, the, the first part of uh, sanctification or sanctified, saint, actually comes from the word saint. So it's the process of making you a saint, which is simply means to be set apart as holy. All right. Now, this is really important. And, and there's been a lot of arguments in the church world about this. But I think the Bible makes it really clear. Uh, there's basically the word sanctification is twofold. This is going to apply to you. So grab a hold of this. It, 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 sanctification is twofold, meaning this. And it's big words. But number one, it means that it is instantaneous. And second, it is progressive. It is instantaneous and it is progressive. It is instantaneous and it is progressive. By instantaneous, I mean this, that the very moment that you and I believed in the gospel. Amen. The moment we believed in the gospel and we we received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we were instantly sanctified or we were instantly set apart as holy by God. That's huge. That is huge in what we believe. Okay, so watch this. We, We were set apart as holy, not because we were holy. If you remember who you were before you knew Jesus, you were pretty good at sin. Right. We were good, talented. Man, we were amazing at sin. Right. But but here it is. God is making us holy, not because we were holy in our actions, but because Jesus's holiness or his perfection or his righteousness was uh, imputed or was assigned or was given to us. That's a great. We should be shouting right there. We should be shouting at that. that. Watch this. Because Jesus died on the cross as the spotless lamb of God. Right. He became our substitute, the official substitution, uh, substitutionary atonement, that he was our substitute, that he paid the price for us. And because he was clean, because he was perfect, because he was holy at that moment when I believed in him, his holiness was given to me. 
Yes, that's awesome, right? So, so in, in this sense, at the same time that we were uh, that we were, uh, you know, sanctified or set apart as holy, there's another word there. It's called we were justified. Okay, they happen instantaneously. They happen together, same moment. And it's this that when we believed in Jesus Christ, that we, uh, you know, surrender our hearts to Him, that we were justified, meaning this, that we were declared by God Himself, we were declared not guilty. That's a, that is a legitimate legal term to understand that we were a mess, that we deserved hell, that we deserved everything opposite the kingdom by the choices we made. But because of what Jesus did for us, he stepped in and said, you know what, I got this. I declare that fellow not guilty. Why? Because he said, I'll take all of it on the cross. Right? Amen? So in that moment when he declared us not guilty, at that part, we became holy and sanctified. Right? So watch this. Therefore, uh, through that instantaneous sanctification, we became saved. We became new creations. We became members of the kingdom of God. We became God's sons and daughters. We became the righteousness of God. We became holy and blameless in his sight. We became ministers of reconciliation, ambassadors for Christ, overcomers. We became more than conquerors. All of those things, don't miss this point. You're going to miss everything about today. Literally, those things and many more like them are what theologians call positional truths. Positional truths, and we'll explain what that means. Positional truths. So what it is is those positional truths are not only what Jesus has made available to us through his sacrifice, but they also reveal to us how God chooses to see us. All right. So all of those things, I probably should have put a list up there, but all of those things, those positional truths, in other words, being the new creation, being the rights of God in Christ Jesus, being holy and blameless in sight, uh, more than conquerors, overcome, all those things, those are what theologians call positional truths. And it's not only what Jesus made available to us through his sacrifice, but, he also, uh, but they also reveal to us how God chooses to see us. All right, let me expound on that, okay? When you and I go look in the mirror... We know our mess. If you don't, you need a revelation of it. <laughs> when I look in the mirror, I, I, know, I know my mess, right? I know my inadequacies, my shortcomings. I know my sin, okay? So when I look in the mirror, I'm quite aware of that. But, but you know, the Father, because of what Jesus did, when he looks at us, he don't see that. He sees Jesus, Okay? He sees us as overcomers. He sees us more than conquerors. He sees us as all those things. Now, now let, me, let me go ahead and, and, and make, the, make this really clear to everybody. That doesn't mean that he has the inability to see your mess. He, has, he, he does things so different than us. He has the ability to see who he has made us and who, as far as in his kingdom, what he's made available to us of what he's offered to us. He, he, he has the ability to see uh, who we are in the kingdom. But at the same time, he doesn't let us off the hook for who we really are. If, if, listen, if you don't believe that, the Bible says that you will give an account and you'll be judged according to all your deeds. So clearly he sees the rest. And that's the part where I'm thankful But at the same time, there's a fear of the Lord that knows i got to give account one day. Yes? Because, see, what happens is it's the people who don't have the fear of the Lord that keep sinning. Did you get that? The people who don't have the fear of the Lord are the people who keep sinning. But there's the thing, you you know, listen, read Paul. Paul said, plain and simple, uh, as as that dreadful day. 
Now, listen, there's a part that we know that we're good. Amen. Thank God we're good. But there's some stuff I'm still going to have a give, give an account for. That's not me. That's Bible. So that so that means that when we live our lives, uh, we don't live in fear. But simply, if we love God, then all that stuff's going to kind of clean itself up. Should. Yes. All right. I'm getting way off line. Here we go. All right. All right. So once again, those positional truths are not only what Jesus has made available to us through his sacrifice, but they also reveal to us how God chooses to see us. Now, here's the funny part about all this. And here's why I think a lot of people miss uh, when we get so angry with someone in our family that we yell at them, we kick our dog, right? And sometimes you got to go, right? All right, so anyway, so you kick the dog, you throw something across the room. How holy was that? Not much. When you, when you have an opportunity, right, God presents this amazing moment. You have an opportunity to not be ashamed of the gospel, but to present Jesus to someone. And at that moment, fear hits you. Right. And you and you literally uh, crater to that fear instead of being bold for the gospel. Uh, how much of a conqueror did you look in that moment? How much of a, of a literally did you resemble a conqueror? Not much. Listen, when we stare at something in an inappropriate that's inappropriate on our TV or computer or on our phone, however device we use, uh, how righteous is that? Not much. Listen, when we let our insecurities and our pride interfere with our relationships, how much do we resemble a child of God in that moment? Not much. I'm talking to anybody today. You, you know, listen, there's, there's a, a hundred things. Fill in the blank. We all got them. Right? Right? I, I'll, I'll be honest. I got them. So, listen. So, you know, here's the point that I simply want to make to you. Get this, please. Just because Jesus has made those positional truths, all those things we named earlier, just because he uh, has made those positional truths available to us, it doesn't necessarily mean that we will automatically walk them out in our everyday life. Was that clear? Just because he made them available don't mean they're automatically going to be in our lives. And just because God chooses to see us through those positional truths, it doesn't necessarily mean that is who we really are. Here's why, here's why I'm saying this, is a lot of times, um, and we've all done it, but believers are definitely guilty for it. We have an exaggerated opinion of ourselves. That we think we're further along than what we really are. And there's things that, and there's things, listen, this is really strong in the body right now. I'm not necessarily saying this one, but in the church body. Is because of this thing called grace, and we're all thankful for it, because of this revelation of grace has come along, people say, you know what, God doesn't care that I do, blah, 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 blah. And they don't realize that, guess what, that here he is, he's made something available to you, and they think because he's made it available that somehow that makes me that, but my lifestyle really isn't that. Is that clear enough? That, that, in other words, that, that, I, that I walk around like I'm some spiritual whatever, and I'm really just, if I'd be honest and just look and go, I'm not. Right? If I'm hollering and cussing at folk, right? If I'm losing my temper, if I'm doing all kinds of stuff that I'm supposed to do, well, I got a problem. There's a disconnect somewhere. It's in this thing that, that, that what we... Um, It's almost like the way, the, way that we, the way that we think we are in our lives, they just don't match up. And that's not the way it's supposed to be in the kingdom. Amen? Amen? Amen. All right.
So I want to encourage all of us to remember that there's more to our Christian lives than just enjoying the benefits of instantaneous sanctification. Listen, we're, we're definitely thankful that, that that's in place, that God has set us apart. But there's more to this thing called Christianity than just recognizing I'm saved, forgiven, and, and happy because God says some pretty cool things about me. That's only the beginning. I mean, how many people ever played Monopoly? Okay? Don't, don't act like you won the game when you're still sitting at go. <laughs> right? Listen, listen, because of what he did, it gave you a spot on the board, right? You got the little car, you got the horse, right? That's a monopoly, I think. Okay, it's been a long time since I played the game. But, you know, you know, when we were kids, we always fight over who to get the car because that was cool, right? So anyways, so, so just because, you know, that just puts your piece on the board. Now, now maybe let me say this. All that's just the starting block of our journey with God, right? Now we've got to run the race. So let me, let me remind you a few verses and... Um, and we'll be done. Philippians 3, 12 through 14. Philippians 12 through 14. I want to just remember what the Apostle Paul said about this. And being in the starting block, got to run our race. He said this. I'm reading out the New Living Translation. He said, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. He's saying this. Gang, I, once again, I, I've, I've come a long way, but I haven't, I haven't grabbed a hold. I'm not living out all the positional truths that Jesus has made available for us. Now, now here's what's so wild. is um, Here's Paul, who's being inspired by God to write most of what we see in the New Testament of who we are as new believers. And here's this guy who God... The Holy Spirit literally breathed through him, and he wrote uh, out the scriptures. He's saying, look, I haven't even achieved these things. All right, all right, okay, I, I have to say something. I, I got Paul. I got Paul's. I got to say something. Um, there's a guy named Leonard Ravenhill that I really, really like. Leonard died in the 90s, and he was just an old revivalist that, that would literally um, just punch in the mouth. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Just good old preaching that would just hit you in the mouth, okay? And, uh, you know, in fact, I had, I had a, uh, I met a lady one time. Jen and I stayed at her house. And uh, she said she went to a prayer meeting with, um, with Leonard Ravenhill. Now, some of you old school people, you're going to like this. Keith Green was in the corner. Love me some Keith Green. He was in the corner playing the keyboard, uh, leading worship. And then Leonard got up to speak. And she said everybody was literally sitting Indian style, or as they say at kids camp, uh, crisscross applesauce, right? They were sitting like that. And, and everybody was basically, uh, your knees were in somebody's back. And they were just stacked in there. And so Keith's leading worship. And then, and then she said Leonard got up. And, and Leonard said, uh, basically, she said, no more than two sentences came out of his mouth. And I feel like I could have stood up underneath the carpet. Just Here's just the truth of God, right? I, I knew, I knew an, uh, another guy. Um, I used to stay at his house down in Lafayette, Louisiana. He said he went to a prayer meeting with Leonard Ravenhill, and, and Leonard's opening prayer of the prayer meeting lasted one hour. Opening prayer. We're just getting started. I know his son personally, and his son said uh, that his dad used to pray about six hours a day. So this guy walked with God, but he, but he wrote this book. I got it in my office, and here's the title of it. It is simply titled this. It says, Sodom Had No Bible. What does that mean? Sodom had no Bible, meaning that the judgment of God came upon Sodom. And they didn't have the Bible to look at and go, that's the way we, we, need, we need to be. But here we are, got 15 Bibles at our house. And he's saying, I'm scared of what's coming. Yes. You all hear me today? 
We'll read, we'll read some more. Here we go. I'll smile at you. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on. I continue to move forward to possess that perfection or those positional truths for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. In other words, for the reason he saved you. Verse 13 says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past. Somebody say forgetting the past. I have to tell you this today, and I don't know why I'm telling you, but I'm telling you this. Forgetting the past. We all want to forget our failures. Look, I got some blunders before Jesus, after Jesus. I, I, I not only want to forget, I want other people to forget. Yes? Uh, starting with my wife. Please forget, right? If you were there, we would wave our wand over you and let you forget. All right, anyway, so, so um, but, but I'll tell you what we don't forget and what Paul was talking about as well. We don't forget our successes. And Paul is saying we need to. And here's what I mean by that. Here's the danger. is I have met plenty of people in the kingdom that talk about what they did five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago. But you ask the question, what are you doing now? There's, there's got to be something we are forgetting those things, good and the bad, because God's, it's a new day. It's a new day. I, I remember there was a, a man in our church in Lafayette, Louisiana, named Brother Green. And Brother Green was... Man, brother, I don't know, Brother Green was probably mid-80s, something like that, sweet man. But every time you talk to Brother Green, he'd tell you, you know, back in 1940, I built this church. And I don't know if he was forgetting that he told me that the week before, but he would literally walk around and tell everybody. And he always told, now listen, great guy, but he always talked about what he used to. And everything that he referred to was like 30 years ago. And I remember one day, and this goes completely against the Bible, okay, but Jennifer walked up to him and went, Brother Green, that's great, but what are you doing today? That's like, I don't know her. <laughs> you, you know, it, there was such truth in it. But, but listen, it, it's that for us. L- it, listen, we're all, it's awesome what God did for us back then. Right? I'll say, I'll say to me, I just came from a, a, a church where God used us greatly. But if I keep grabbing hold of that, we will never go anywhere. Okay, so I got to go. Yep, that was an awesome, great season. God, thank you for depositing what you deposited in me. Thank you for letting me learn what I learned through that. Now let's off to the new assignment. Amen. So it goes on and says, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and look forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end. Somebody say the end. Say the end like you mean it. The end of the race, the end of the race, the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. He is calling us in this thing called sanctification. In fact, if you're here today and go, what's the will of God for my life? Uh, it says in Thessalonians that the will of God is for you to be sanctified. That's the will of God to be set apart, to be holy. So listen, turn to your neighbor and say it's time to move forward. And run your race. Just for fun, say, get off of your blessed assurance and run the race. That was for me. Sorry. All right. Anyways, it's okay to have fun in church, right? All right. So let's transition here a little bit. And this may be a confusing sentence. Jen told me so, so I'm telling you that. And there she is. Good timing, babe. 
All right, so watch this. Because you and I understand that we are currently not walking in the fullness of those positional truths. Key word, fullness. I'm not saying we're not there. I'm just saying the fullness, we are not walking in those positional truths. That should encourage us to grab a hold of the other side of sanctification uh, and, and let that have a part in our lives. Let it begin to work in our lives, okay? I said it a little different. But, but, but it's this. Basically because I don't realize... So many illustrations I want to use right now. Because I was here, Jesus saved me, and now I'm here. But the positional truths are way over here. Uh, you know, so as I'm right here, I don't need to pretend like I'm there. I need to recognize where I'm at, and I need to say, God, thank you for setting me apart instantaneously. But now let the progressive side begin to work in me so I can get moving this way. Are you all hearing me today? So, so the meaning, remember we said that sanctification is not only instantaneous, but it's also progressive, mean that we are continually in the process of being set apart as holy, meaning that it gradually happens. And, and let me break it down really clear, meaning that what I wrestled with five years ago, if I've hopefully pursued the kingdom enough that I'm not wrestling with it now, okay, or that it's not as strong as it used to be, Okay. All right, we've got to hurry up and land this thing. Here we go. So another way of saying this biblical truth is this. If you're taking notes, write this down. This will be probably the most theological thing I'm going to say to you today. That we have been declared holy, and now we are in the process of becoming holy. Because of what Jesus did, elbow your neighbor and tell him to wake up. Because we have, we have been declared holy, and now we are in the process of becoming holy. Listen, we know this is true because the Bible refers to a process of becoming holy as this. And, and, when you, and when you read the Bible, please take note of this, okay? It, it, it's this. It says that we are to walk out of the old man and into the new man. We're called to walk out of the old man and into the new man, and that's not your age, okay? The old man is, is here, we'll throw it up on the screen. The old man is this. The old man is who you were before you were born again. Somebody say before. The new man is who you are according to the positional truths that Jesus made available to you. We'll talk about that more next week. But okay, so let's move along. Let me give two verses now, Jim, we're done. All right? I'm going to show you uh, how Paul put this, walking out of the old man to the new man, Colossians 3, 5 through 10. Y'all hang in with me, okay? I know we're kind of approaching things a little different today. It says this in verse 5. I'm reading New Living again. It says, so put to death the sinful. How about in, if you're reading New King James, it says, put to death the members. I'm thinking if you're a pastor and you're reading that. Members of the church, put to death your members. Anyways, all right, anyway, so my bad. All right, here we go. All right, bad joke. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. What's lurking in you today? Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires says, don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. So, listen, you may not be struggling with those areas right there, but there might be something in your life that God views as detrimental to your walk with him and he's wanting to deal with. So don't limit yourself to this list and say, well, what I wrestle with is not there. Like, example, prayerlessness should be on that list. Not reading the word could be on that list. Are you all following me today? All right, so it says in verse 6, it says, because of these sins, that is in the list, 
Not what I just said. The anger of God is coming. Okay? It says in verse 7, You used to do these things, meaning you used to live like this when your life was still part of this world. But now in this time, uh, but now is the time, sorry, to get rid of. Somebody say, now is the time. Now is the time to get rid of or put off the characteristics of the old man. And here he lays out the characteristics of the old man, of who we were before Jesus. Anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Then it says in verse 9, Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. In other words, they just mentioned there, all those things we just read. He's saying, look, that's your old life. That, shouldn't be, that even shouldn't be in the equation anymore. And then he says in verse 10, Put on, somebody say put on, your new nature or the positional truths and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. That should be all of our goals is to become like Him. So then Paul, scoot forward a few verses to verse 12. He gives us characteristics of the new man. He says this in verse 12. He says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves. There's the instantaneous sanctification. He says, you must clothe yourself with, here's the positional truths or the characteristics of the new man, which are this. You must clothe yourself with tender heart and mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. This is the way of the new man, okay? Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. What a challenge, yes? All right, so... Before we close, let me give you this example to kind of sum up everything we've talked about. So maybe if, you, if you're like, I'm not in all that theological stuff, grab hold of this analogy, okay? Here we go. So picture a man who is a connoisseur of fine brass, okay? One day he is searching through a pile of junk on the outskirts of an old village when all of a sudden he spies an old battered brass pot. It was dirty, stained, and beaten up, but his practice and trained eye recognized that it was a thing of value, So he made his way through the junk and picked up the old pot, and he set it apart by itself. In so doing, he sanctified the vessel instantaneously. But now, since the brass pot is in his possession, he certainly couldn't leave something as valuable as this in its current condition. So he commits himself to the process of spending many hours of cleansing, straightening out the dents, and polishing the old pot until it becomes a thing of beauty it was originally designed to be. That is the, maybe the best analogy. I probably could have said that without saying all the rest of it. That's the best analogy of what happens instantaneously and progressive. That God walked into this world and we're all in a big old pile of junk, right? And he says, that one has value. He picks it up. It doesn't look real valuable. It's dirty. It's got a bunch of dents, a bunch of scrapes on it. But he sets it apart. And then he goes for some more, right? But then he says, you know what? But I'm really committed to making that thing uh, restored back to its original condition of what it was designed to look like. And he is willing to spend hours and hours and hours with us, right, because we're the pot, right, uh, of cleaning us up and knocking out the dents, the old wounds, the old hurts, the old pains of all those things and says, you know what, I, I want to make this thing beautiful like it was originally designed to be. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. You stand to your feet. I'm going to give you two thoughts and we're done. 
Here's really, if I could sum up everything I said today, and I, because it's God's heart that all those positional truths that we talked about, once again, all the more what the Bible says, it's God's heart that those things would become an everyday reality to us. To give you, to give you maybe even an example here, it's this, that it is not God's will for you to live in fear, ever. Ever. That it, l- l- listen, last night I was laying in bed and I was getting hammered with just fearful thoughts. And, uh, you know, just of decisions we're making in our own personal life, of things that we're doing. And, and, and there's a side of me that goes, you know, so much that what happens is, is fear comes and you think, oh, my God, am I making a mistake? Right? But the thing is, we know we heard from God here. Right? And we get here. It's like there's, it's, it's maybe this. That's faith not on the beginning and on the end, but there's faith in the middle. <laughs> that we got to walk in. And God's saying, you know what, that, that, that's who, I want to remind you of who I've called you to be and what I've made available to you through the cross. And so whatever it is in our lives, that's really what Jesus is trying to get us to, from point A of where we're at to what he's made available. And not just be this, hear me, it's not God's will for us to just you know, be in a really good service and go, woo, that was awesome, I had faith there. But to go when it's me sitting by myself, that there's enough faith inside of me with him that I go, you know, what? I got this because he's got this. Am I, am I making any sense? OK, that, that, it, that it's this, that it's easy to love God and to love people when you're in an atmosphere like this. It's another thing when you're out there and somebody says something to your face you don't like. Right. The old man wants to creep up really quick. But it's in that moment when, that, when it's, the real proof is in the pudding as if, can I still love them, even though they just let stupid come out of their mouth. Yes? All right. Let's close our eyes. I'm going to pray about two things this morning. If you can get with that and say, God, just, just simply this, God, I want you to continue um, your progressive work inside of me. Just lift both hands, please. And I want you to know today, there's definitely not a spot that we ever say, hey, we, we, we got there, we arrived. The Bible says it's going to happen until the day we die, so we might as well embrace it, right? Amen. So, Father, today I just bless your people. And, Lord, even uh, me, myself, God, all of us, God, as your kids, Lord, with our hands lifted high to you today, God, we say that we are so committed um, to your progressive work in our lives. God, that you are, uh, you know, desiring not only to declare us holy, but to make us holy uh, God, daily. And so, Lord, we want all of those positional truths, uh, God, all of them that we mentioned and the ones we didn't mention. God, we want those things to become a reality in our lives, uh, just like you want them to become a reality in our lives. So, Lord, today we just open up our hearts and, God, we just pray, God, today that you would um, that you begin to do what only you can do in us. God, that you would help us to position ourselves in the right spot with you. God, so you begin to, uh, you can begin to work your work in us. And Father, I just pray for all of us, God, that there'd be maybe, uh, two words that would mark us during this season. Simple obedience. God, that we would have simple obedience to whatever you say, to whatever you're doing, that we would simply obey. So God, thank you for giving us ears to hear. And Lord, thank you for giving us the courage, uh, God, to not accept status quo. But to go, to go, God, okay, I don't want to be uh, living mediocrity, but, Lord, I want to be a man of God, and I want to be a woman of God. And so, Lord, today, just thank you for shifting things in our heart and shifting our priorities, God. Thank you for shifting not just uh, our behavior, but thank you for just transformation inside of us today. In Jesus' name. Oh, I still close, please. You know, I talked about it earlier there, real brief, 
about how uh, Jesus, how he desires to declare all of us as not guilty. If you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, uh, the truth is, is you're guilty before God because there's been no sacrifice uh, made for you at that point that, that, you know, you are going to stand before God with your own sins. You're not going to stand there with Jesus, Jesus helping you, okay? So if you're here today and you say, you know what, I, I recognize that I'm a sinner, but also recognize that Jesus died for me, that he died so he could take my place. He died so I could be declared not guilty. He died so I could be set apart. If you say, you know what, I need, I need to be saved today. I need salvation in my life. I need to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of my life. Uh, just, just lift up both hands, please. No one looking around, please. Okay, let me, let me make this really clear. Um, there's one part that I say I've never done that before. Another part says, you know what, I, um, I may be strayed from that. I need to get back on track. If that's you, lift your hands. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thanks, 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 man. All right. Thanks. Good job, young man. All right, so let's pray this prayer. Once again, it's, it is in the words we say, but it's really in the faith behind those words that we pray. So if everybody here doesn't mind just joining with me, let's say this with them. Say, Father God, I come to you today. I confess that I'm a sinner. I confess that I've lived my life my own way. But God, I recognize that today that makes me guilty before you. But I know that Jesus died for me so that I wouldn't have to be guilty. So I ask you today to come and save me. Be the Lord, be the Lord and the Savior of my life. I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus is the Son of God, that He did die on the cross as a sinless man. And three days later, He was risen from the dead. So today, I accept what Jesus has done for me. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for a new life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen, amen. Amen. Let's put our hands together. That's really good. Amen. Amen. So uh, remember, just, just kind of put a book in. Now, let me say what I really want to say. The, the, one of the greatest challenges, uh, I think, for pastors in this nation is to um, somehow help the people that fill our churches grab a hold of the everyday walk with God. Meaning this, that, that, a, that a majority of the people that fill churches uh, today, right, uh, spend very little time with him. And that's why they, there's not a lot of forward movement in their lives. And so I want to encourage you based on this week. Next week we're going to talk about really how to walk out of the old man and into the new man. But, but, I, but I want to encourage you this week to make time. God, Listen, God didn't give us the Bible for no reason. Okay? He didn't give us the ability to pray and to talk with him for no reason. He didn't give us the ability to worship him for no reason. All of those things, and we'll, go, we'll expand on that next week, but all those things are really what helps us to walk out of the old man to the new man. And what, I guess what blows me away about God is he really made it really simple. I need simple. 
You know, as my old friend used to say, I need it in Barney terms. I need it broken down. And he really did. He really gave it to us like that. We just got to do our part. Amen. Amen. Angelo, do you mind? Mr. Angelo. Come here. Yep, yep. Mr. No, 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 no. Mr. Angelo. Sorry. There's two in the house. Two in the house. Do you mind just closing us out in prayer? And uh, we'll be done. Father God, I I thank you for, for the hearts that were touched today. Lord, you know the things that concern us, and we just praise you and, and, and thank us, Lord. Thank you, Lord God, for what you're doing today. And I pray, Lord, that everyone today would be strengthened with might in the inner man as they leave this place, that they'll go forth better than they were when they came in today, Lord God. So I thank you what you're going to do in their lives. I, I thank you that they're going to exchange the things that, that have brought them down to things and out that are going to lift them up in you, Lord Jesus. I thank you. I thank you for the great exchange that is taking place in our lives this very day. And I thank you and praise you for all of that. And I pray, Lord God, that, that every one of us this week would, would hear from you, would have, would have a fresh word from you, and, and know that you're speaking to them and that they would know your will for their lives and walk in it. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.